prayer life or part of the thought process of a minister is always to be trying to think ahead uh, when it comes to sermons or when it comes to sermon series. You know, to be praying, uh, Lord God, we're coming to the end of our sermon series in the book of Acts. Where is it you want us to, to go? Where do you want us to go next in Scripture? Well, one idea that I had, which I have uh, subsequently uh, dismissed, was to preach a sermon series as though it were uh, the last sermon series that I would ever preach. Do you you see what I mean? You know, to, 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 to take, let's say, the ten of the most pressing issues that I see it for us as a congregation just now and to preach in my way through those. Now, as I say, I dismissed that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But it did get me thinking, if we were going to do that, what would those issues be? Like, what are the themes that would be most important, most pressing for us as a church just now? And okay, yeah, I did put that to the side But as I turn back to prepare this sermon for this morning, do you know what I found? I found that the very first theme that I had jotted down, the very first idea that I had written down, that it was the predominant theme of this portion of Scripture that we are studying this morning. See what that means? In God's goodness to us, in God's providence this morning, God is confronting us here in this portion of Scripture with something that is pressing, something that is urgent for us as a congregation to hear. And what is that? Friends, it is the danger of delay. It is the peril of procrastination that if you are not a Christian this morning, that it is potentially disastrous if you do not come to Christ today, this morning, that any delay whatsoever, even into a tomorrow, even a delay into this afternoon, that that carries with it potentially awful eternal consequences. The theme just now, the theme this morning, it is spiritual procrastination. But before we get into this, let let me uh, remind you of where we are here. Now, even if you never studied chemistry at school, um, you can guess what happens if you were to uh, pop even a tiny little bit of potassium into a beaker or a bucket of water. Even if you don't know what happens, you can kind of guess from where I'm going with this. You drop a little bit of potassium into water, what's going to happen? It's going to go pop, you know? In fact, it's going to go bang! Well, in some ways, that's what we've got here. See, in the past little while in the book of Acts, what's happened? Well, we've taken the Apostle Paul, and he has been dropped into Jerusalem, hasn't he? And what's happened when when Paul's been dropped in there? It's gone pop. Jerusalem, that city, has gone bang. The Jews have wanted to kill Paul. And the Romans have come along and they have rescued Paul. And do you see what's happened? Paul has now been sent out of Jerusalem. He's been sent up to Caesarea for his case to be heard. And in this portion of scripture that we read, the one that you've got in front of you, what we see is the subsequent trial as Paul is before Felix. This is a trial scene. So, tell you what, let's look at this. Let's see what happens in this Roman court. 
So friends, I would invite you, if you haven't already done so, I would invite you to turn with me and have God's word open in front of you. Please uh, look to Acts chapter 24. And let's see the first of a, a few headings here. Let's consider this. An unavoidable decision about the gospel. Okay, that's the first thing we need to see here and think about. An unavoidable decision about the gospel. Point one. Okay, now we all know, don't we, that, that there are three really sort of basic elements that you would expect to find in any sort of courtroom scene, aren't they? Like, what would you expect to see in a courtroom? You would have the prosecution, you would have the defence, wouldn't you? And then you would also have a, a judge or a, a jury. Let's take the prosecution here, first of all. Do you see it? What, what are we told right at the beginning of this ch- chapter here? We've got the high priest, and he arrives in Caesarea, and he's come with this collection of his friends and the Jews. And they're ready, you know, they've come prepared. They're ready to sort of level their accusations against the Apostle Paul in this court case. But did you notice what they've done here? Do you see what they've done? They've employed this guy, Tertullus, to act on his behalf. Who's he? Well, this, this, this bloke, Tertullus, you've got to be thinking here, sort of Harvey Specter, or sort of Alicia Floric, or Atticus Finch, and Peter Huey, all sort of rolled into one. Because this guy here, Tertullus, he is a high-flying lawyer. You know, the best of the best. Now, look how this lawyer begins his case. He begins his case with what was known, and I will have to read this, Excuse my pronunciation. He begins his case with what was known as a capatio benevolenti. That sounds kind of fancy. But all it was was the sort of standard way of beginning your case in a Roman courtroom. You would begin your case. It was expected that you would begin your case by kind of buttering up the judge and saying a few nice things about him. But what I want you to notice is how absolutely over the top Tertullus makes this. Do you see? I mean, he goes to town on his flattery. Doesn't look at verse 2. And he's saying to this judge, he's saying to Felix, we love you, man. You know, we've enjoyed a, a long period of peace under you. A total lie. You are most excellent. You have brought about great reforms. Do you see this? Doesn't it almost make you sick the extent to which he is sucking up to the judge at this point? Friends, the question I ask you is why? Like, why is Tertullus acting like this? Why is there such excessive flattery? It's kind of obvious, isn't it? He is resorting to style because he has no substance. There is no case against Paul. Is there? Look at the accusations in verse 5. What is he actually accusing Paul of? It says he's a troublemaker. Now, the language there, the, the original language, look, it's the idea of an illness. It's, it's the idea of a disease. I mean, you've got to say, that's a pretty vague accusation to make in a courtroom, isn't it? That this guy's a plague. That's pretty vague, isn't it? Now, look how he goes on. He says he is a ringleader of a sect unsubstantiated, untrue, 
And then do you see how he ends it? He goes back to that already sort of disproven accusation that Paul had taken a Gentile into the inner part of the temple. And we're like, beyond, we've heard that before. We know that. that is, do you see the point here? Like Tertullus might be Harvey Specter and he might be really slick and he's smooth here. But he ain't got nothing, nothing on Paul. That's a prosecution. And I hope you're thinking, that ain't great. Not much of a case. Let's think about the defense. Now, I think we do have to accept at this point that that to a certain degree, Paul here does defend himself. Like Paul ticks that sort of etiquette box as well. Like he says a couple of nice things about Felix. He doesn't go over the top. He says a nice couple of things about Felix. And he does also refute these accusations against him. That's not the crucial thing. The crucial thing that we need to see is that the main purpose of Paul's speech here was to assert the validity of the Christian gospel. That's what Paul's up to here. The main purpose here is to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, do you see how he does that? What does he say he was doing? He says here that instead of going to Jerusalem to cause trouble, what was he doing? What, what was he doing? What was he, he was going to Jerusalem to worship God. And he says that rather than Christianity being this sort of weird, far-out sect that was being alleged, what does he say? He's saying that actually... Christianity was what provided continuity with the Old Testament religion. He's saying, wait a minute, it wasn't the Jews. It's actually the Christians who are worshipping God in the only true way. It's the Christians who are worshipping God in the way that he desires to be worshipped in and through his son, the long-promised Messiah. Do you see what Paul is doing? It's, it's, it's marvellous, really. His defense, if you like, is to show Christ. It is to show the gospel. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know what you think of Acts 24. And what the kids are thinking of Acts 24. Tell you this, I love it. (laughs) You know, this sort of tense Roman courtroom drama. You know, I love it. It's fantastic. The question, though, is what has it got to do with us? I mean, really, what is the application of this courtroom scene for us? Well, friends, what we've seen, we've seen the prosecution, we've seen the defense. We need to think about the judge. We need to appreciate that this man, Felix, at this point, he has a decision to make, doesn't he? And hopefully everyone says, well, of course he's got a decision to make, Andy. Of course he does. He has to decide whether to, to, to free Paul or not, doesn't he? Do you see that's not what I'm talking about? Friend, do you see the bigger picture in Acts chapter 24? Do you see that the one who is on trial before Felix, it is not the Apostle Paul? Do you see that the one who is on trial here, it is the Lord Jesus Christ? The gospel is on trial in these verses. That's why Paul here is. That's what he's showing Felix. That's why he's he's saying that it is because of the resurrection of 
the dead that I am on trial here. He's trying to show Felix, these Jews don't hate me. These Jews, they hate Christ. They hate the gospel. Friends, Jesus is in the dock in these verses. And now I ask you, do you see how this applies to us this morning? I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who's come in to church today and who is not born again in Jesus Christ? Are you someone who's come in this morning, and that's not true of you, that you're maybe interested in Christianity, but you do not have saving faith in Jesus. Is that true? I wonder, do you understand that what you have come into just now, this here might look like it, this right now is not a church building. Do you see that what you have come into right now, at this point with Scripture open, this here, this is a courtroom. Do you see that? And do you see that as someone unbelieving right now that you are playing the role of a judge? And friends, do you see that this morning you have a decision to make? Is Jesus Christ, as all the world proclaims, is Jesus Christ just a ringleader? Is he just a troublemaker? Is the gospel a plague? Is it a disease? Is that what it is? Or is Jesus Christ something different to that? Is Jesus the way and the truth and the life? Is he the fulfillment of Old Testament belief? Is he? You know, when scripture speaks of manna in the desert, I mean, is it pointed forward, anticipating the coming into the world of Jesus Christ as the bread of life? The one who can satisfy our souls? Is that it? Is that the case? Friends, you have a decision to make here. Is Jesus Christ a liar? Or is he the lamb that was slain for sin? Which is it? Friends, the gospel this morning, in here, right now, it is on trial. You are the judge. And you have a decision to make. So we see an unavoidable decision about the gospel. Secondly, please note with me, an undeniable interest in the gospel. So an unavoidable decision about the gospel. But secondly, please also see an undeniable interest in the gospel. Now, a friend of my wife's this week recently visited the Docklands Museum and to see its exhibition on slavery. And hopefully the kids are listening, because I think that's one of the answers to your question in your worksheet. the Docklands Museum. So she visits the Docklands Museum. I don't think she went in to see this exhibition with any sort of massive or, or great expectations about what she was going to be finding. But she spoke to my wife afterwards, and she said that what she saw in that museum, in that exhibition, really, really affected her that she sort of left uh, that exhibition, the museum, with her interest sparked. You know, she goes she goes through the exhibition, she comes out and she says, you know, I, having seen that and read that and heard that, I need to know more. I need to find out more. Well, do you see that there's something akin to that going on here with Felix? Because this court case that we're looking at, 
it ends. Like the prosecution's done. You know, Tertullus has finished. It's a very slick case. Paul's refuted that. And I guess, like if you put your mind to it this morning, you can, you can truly imagine what it would have been like at this point. Like everyone's spoken. You've got all the centurions that are there in the room. And they're there to keep the calm. And everyone would have been silent, wouldn't they? Because the cases have been made. And everyone's turning and they're looking at the judge. There's Felix in his big chair. And everyone's wondering, what's this guy going to say? Like, what is, he, what is he going to do? Like, is he going to go with the Jews and condemn Paul? Is, he, is Paul going to be imprisoned? Is Paul going to be put to death here? Or, wait a minute, is he going to side with Paul? Is he going to free this? See it? See, everyone's in tender hooks. But do you see what Felix does? In Scotland, what we would say about Felix at this precise moment is that he completely bottles it. Doesn't he? Like, he's got a decision to make at this point. But what does he do? He says, oh, no chance. I don't, I'm not making this decision at this point. Do you see it? And he bides his time. He calls for more evidence. And what he does is he leaves Paul in jail, just awaiting his feet. Now, that's one thing. But it is what Felix does next that is most crucial for us. So I would ask you to do me a favor at this point. Maybe even the boys and girls can do this as well. If we could all look together at one verse, at verse 24. And this is the crucial verse. Verse 24. The question is, what does Felix do next? Do you see it? Let me read it. Several days later, Felix came with his wife through Scylla. What does he do? He sent for Paul. And he listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ. Isn't that? Isn't that something? Like, are you seeing what's, what's occurring here? Do you see what's happening? Feeling, Felix is now a man who was what, would you say? He's now a man who is interested in Christianity. He is, isn't he? Would you, would you dispute that? Like, he's a man, we are told, who was acquainted with the gospel. We learn that in verse 22. But what else is he? He's a man who has now heard preaching, hasn't he? As Paul's opened the word, as Paul's proclaimed something of the gospel in that courtroom. And do you see what's happened to this guy? It's, it's changed him. Like, Felix is interested. His, his conscience seems a bit pricked and his heart's a bit moved and his soul is disturbed and like my wife's friend leaving that museum do you see what Felix is saying? He's saying I salvation in Christ I need to know more I need to find out more about that and this morning friends I need you to consider whether that there is true of you Friends, as you've come into church this morning, is that true? Are you in a position like never before in your whole life where you this morning are interested in spiritual things? Does that sum up where you are? Are you interested in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is that what's happening? Is that why you are here? 
perhaps because of your former acquaintance with the gospel. Perhaps maybe because of the preaching that you've heard over the last couple of weeks as Brad's opened the gospel and as Rory's opened the word of God. Do you find yourself strangely moved by these things? Are you asking, I need to find out more? Friends, if that's true, do you see what might be happening to you? Think about this. What might be happening is that the Holy Spirit of God might be at work in your life. Is, is that not exhilarating? I mean, is, is that not exciting? That the Creator God might even this morning be working in your heart. That you see that everything, every circumstance of your life might have been leading you here this morning to this point where you might be saved. Friends, is this not exciting? Is this not challenging? Is God speaking to you this morning? Friends, if so, then trust in Jesus. Trust in Christ and have that interest, that genuine interest. Have it turned into something different. Have it turned into something eternal, something saving, come to Christ. And have it turned into something glorious. So we've seen this guy Felix and he's got a decision to make where the gospel's in trial. We've understood that. We've also seen that Felix sends for Paul. He's got questions. He wants to hear more. Surely there's a question we're left with if he's interested at this point. What happens? What, what does he do? What happens to Felix? So the third and the last thing, let's note an ultimate rejection of the gospel. Unavoidable decision about it. An undeniable interest in it. But an ultimate rejection of the gospel. It's said of Leonardo da Vinci that he was the world's greatest procrastinator. Put off setting himself to work, he would do that. That he loved to delay. I was reading this week that it took 16 years for da Vinci to complete the Mona Lisa. 16 years. That's okay, he finished it. The tragedy, however, is that when da Vinci died... He left hundreds and hundreds of partly completed works. Regret in that, isn't there? You know, we could have been treated to hundreds more excellent works of art. So his procrastination was a tragedy. And we see that in Acts chapter 24, don't we? Now think about what happens here at the end of the chapter. So we have seen Paul come summoned, if you like, by Felix and Drusilla. And he comes to them. Now, notice the stress of Paul's preaching. Now, I wonder, if you were here three weeks ago, do you remember what we said about Felix? Do you remember what we said in his past? Do you remember what he was before he was governor? you remember? He was a slave 
Felix, okay? Do you remember what we said and noted about Felix's character? We said that he was a brutal guy. Like, he was a sort of violent man, pretty horrific beast of a, of a bloke. And who does he come to Paul with? Who is he hand in hand with at this moment? Do you see it? Did you notice? Felix comes with Drusilla. What we know about Drusilla was that she was an adulteress. Like, this is a, this is an immoral couple that are coming before Paul. And do you notice the stress of Paul's preaching? Look at verse 25. What, what does he confront these people with? Do you see it? He calls for righteousness, self-control, in light of the judgment to come. Do you see what Paul's doing there? He's saying, yes, there needs to be faith in Christ, but there also has to be repentance from sin. He is confronting these people with the gospel. And what is Felix's response? These are some of the most awful words in Scripture, aren't they? In verse 25, aren't these awful words? The gospel's there. Offer a salvation in Christ. And he says, no. Don't know. That's it. That's enough now. Yes, I'm, I'm interested. Yes, I want to find out more, but not just now. Trust in Jesus? Maybe, maybe later, but not just now. That's enough for now. And do you see why he delays? It is heartbreaking. He is more concerned for money and he is more concerned for personal honor. He tries to bribe Paul. He keeps Paul in jail so that the Jews will think highly of him. Does it not break your heart? Are you not filled with a sense of wonder that someone could be concerned more with the immediate and the material than their own salvation from sin? And yet that is what we have here. His procrastination It is a tragedy. And friends, because of this, I urge you to hear what I am about to say. Say this in any way lightly. Hear this. I believe that there are people here who are being lost to hell by way of procrastination and delay. People here who think, I've got time, man. I've got years ahead of me when, when I, can, I can think more properly about these spiritual things and I can think more about Jesus Christ. And friends, I want to say to you, do you not see that that might not be the case? Do you see that this right now might be your season of opportunity? Do you see that you might never, ever have another opportunity like today? Not just because, okay, you might die, but because God might withdraw that chance. Do you see that your present procrastination and delay, that in effect it might be an eternal 
an eternal procrastination, an eternal delay. Do you see that? Do you see the solemnity and the seriousness of what we're looking at this morning? But friend, do you also see that what Paul showed Felix that day, it is the most precious and it is the most incredible thing. Do you see that? Do you see that Paul was showing Felix that Jesus had done everything for him? That Jesus had accomplished all things. That now forgiveness and love and peace and eternity and calm, it was all there for Felix. It was there for Felix. If he would just, if he would just then repent and if he would come into the loving arms of Christ, it was there, just there. And what does he say to Paul? He says, no, not just now, maybe later. And do you see that there is nowhere we get even a slightest hint that Felix ever came to Christ? This is it! And this morning, I say to you and I ask you, please do not make that same mistake. Look, regardless of the sermon series, there is no more urgent, no more important a message for you to hear this morning. Is there? Is there? Salvation there before you. The gospel of Christ Jesus is on trial. The one who is in the dock is the one with pierced hands and pierced feet. He offers you salvation. What is it going to be? Please, please don't delay this. Please, this is your season of opportunity. This morning, today, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Let's pray.